Welcome into episode 83 of the Gumpreneurs Podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell back with you. Um, the day before fall camp starts. How about that, guys? It is here. Um, by the time, well, I guess today, actually, as we're recording this, we are officially a, a month away from the start of the uh, the Alabama college football season. Um, this seems like the longest time of the year. Uh, you got Major League Baseball, but if you're not a huge baseball guy, me and Lester are J Law, maybe not so much. So me and Lester have stuff to do every day. You know, the Braves are rocking and rolling. Red Sox are kind of hit or miss, kind of inconsistent, but uh, you know, they're they're enjoyable to watch this year at least. Got some young guys, some young talent that are fun to watch. But if you're if you don't have a baseball team, you're not a big baseball guy. This this can seem like the longest time of the year. I mean, every day you're like, oh gosh, it was just 40 days, a couple of days ago. How is it only 39? You know, but uh we're officially one month away. Um, fall camp is getting set to kick off. Um, the running of the Gumps, guys. We, we didn't. We failed to mention that last week. The running of the Gumps, which has been canceled for what two or three years, is back this Saturday. Um, that's where the Gump Runners' name originated from. I mean, that's the OG. The the running of the Gumps. So I hope that uh, I hope that they they get stretched out and they got the baby strollers ready and they don't get caught up in the turf. You know, the new grass that got put down at Bryant Denny Stadium and. And uh, you know, made the best man win in the in the dead sprint for for the Nick Saban autograph line. But uh, guys, you know, a couple of weeks out, about a month out from college football, and uh, we're just gonna try to get into our positional breakdowns that we do every year in the preseason. And um, then at the end of this podcast, we're gonna give a uh, a prediction of who we if, or for how we think the SEC West will finish. We're not gonna do the East because everybody knows how weak it is, Tennessee. Losing a bunch of guys, Jalen Hyatt, um, you know, lost your quarterback. You got Joe Milton, who's a uh, who's got a cannon, but not really sure um, how good of a quarterback he's going to be in the SEC. He did get benched for um, Hooker last year, Hendon Hooker. So we'll see how they do. But really, it's just Georgia's in the East, and everybody else is, you know, not a dumpster fire, but very average. Um, South Carolina, Florida showing improvements. Um, Missouri, you know, no dice, but so we're just going to do SEC West predictions, but then we're going to do that at the end of the show. We're going to start off on the, we're going to go defensive side tonight. Um, everybody's, everybody kind of knows, um, where the, where the, where we are, Alabama at the, uh, at the linebacker position, you know, Tresman Marshall, Deontay Lawson, more than likely going to be your inside backers. Maybe Justin Jefferson can make a push. Um, then, of course, everybody knows the outside backer is going to be Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner, potentially two first-round picks there. But we're going to do defensive back, um, two corners, two safeties, and that star position that Nick Saban loves to run in the nickel defense. And um, so, J-Law, we'll, we'll kick this off. Just all I want from you is give me your starters, and like I said, both corners, both safeties, and that star position – and maybe give a scenario of something you think could happen. I know Alabama's got two transfers in, Trey Amos, who's a, a corner from ULL, and Jalen Key, who's a safety from UAB. Talk about how maybe they would fit in and if they can maybe push for a starting job. Yeah, you know, man, I don't want to see Terry on Arnold back at corner. I think Earl Little is going to be a much better option. Um, obviously have Kool-Aid locking down half the field like PS2 did a few years ago, so that's a plus. So – I mean, you're not really stressed about corner if Earl Little at least plays like he did in the A-Day game. Like, you feel really strongly about that, which allows Terrion, who came in as a safety, 
to potentially move around somewhere on the back end. I mean, clearly we, um, we don't really like his coverage skills. He wasn't always matched up with wide receiver one, although it felt like at times teams were able to get an easy mismatch on him. Um, Scheme-wise, you know, Alabama's always probably going to run out base nickel because how you're playing against teams against the spread, but your safety spots, man, they could all be up a little different. People love Caleb Downs. Terrion Arnold could be back there. Um, the Jalen Key from UAB could go in that mix. Alabama really likes Malachi Moore um, at at star or the little kind of, you know, the play down lower towards the boss, kind of be able to pull some things off for that defense. So to me, I'm not exactly sure, like, the prediction on who's going to play. I think all those guys are going to play. I don't think it's necessarily who runs out first against – um, who are we playing? Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State, first game. Geez, I'm already looking forward to Texas. Uh, that's who I'm really worried about is going to run out there. And I think that's when you're going to see the veterans in game one be able to, the guys that have been in the system for a while in the safety spots, whether that's Malachi, whether that's Terrion, they're going to be able to go out there and prove that they can be in the right spot, right time, play coverage when they need to. And if they can't, um, would not be surprised if some of these transfers quickly jumped into the mix, whether that be at an opposing corner spot with the guy from Lafayette or at safety with a guy, Jalen Key. But I really like Caleb Downs in this situation. I just think that the pitch to Caleb Downs in recruiting, I know Saban doesn't pitch early playing time, but it's, hey, Hellum's in battle and Branch are gone. Um, it's it's going to be pretty easy for you to get on the field this year if you are who everybody's saying you are. So I really like Downs at one of those spots going to be tough to keep him out of the lineup but Alabama's got a wealth of names at those two positions it's who plays the best going into that Texas game I in the spring you saw Earl Little running the star position and um you know he was um talking about in, in the in the scrimmages leading up to the A-Day game Kool-Aid and, and Arnold were at the corners Malachi and Downs safety Malachi for me is kind of my swing guy I, I'm He's my question mark. Um, Terion, I think maybe there's a shorter leash there this year. Uh, I think Rick's really struggled with learning the playbook last year, which, of course, Gump Runners was so frustrated. If you remember, we're like, dude, just treat it like the NFL. Play man. Like, wherever your best receiver is, that's where he goes. Um, he was long, athletic, just really rangy. One of the rangiest corners you would find in the SEC. And uh, he never he never was able to get into a groove, so they kept throwing Terion Arnold out there. I know Sark abused him in the first quarter. Um, he got abused on on a couple of occasions, but maybe he's progressed. I, I'm going to give him a longer leash than probably most people. Um, and like you said, J-Law Kool-Aid definitely has one side of the field locked down, never going to worry about him. Uh, but Malachi is my guy because for, what, three years now, is it three or four? I think he's taking like a COVID year. Yeah, I think he came in in 2020, uh, started as a freshman. And um, so for three, four years now, he has uh, – or for three years, he's he's played at that star position. And um, and they moved him to safety in the spring. Not really – didn't really hear much about him, which I guess is good. But uh, I think Caleb Downs does start – at the strong safety spot or free, whichever one. I think Jalen Key was a good pickup to maybe push downs a little bit because I'm not so sure Christian Story is developing him into what they thought he would be at the safety spot. Um, but Malachi, I think if he struggles at safety or if a guy like Earl Little, I'm going to slot Earl Little in the star position at first 
But I think if Little struggles or Malachi struggles, they will immediately, quickly go Malachi back to star where he's played for three years and then roll in Jalen Key, maybe a free safety move down to strong if he's not there already. That's that's kind of how I see the rotation being. Lester, Lester, how do you see these DBs unfolding this year? Anything different than what me and J-Law said? Not exactly, but I do have an um, interesting thought. What about putting downs down at that star position? You know, six foot, 195, but if you look at the guy, he is rocked up. I don't believe he's your average freshman. I believe he'll play pretty good down in the box. I don't. I don't know if they it's just ask him to play cover too many guys. I yeah. think his style, which is why I think that Earl Little could potentially move over to corner. I don't have any, I say that because I don't have any faith in Terion. I've like watched it too much. They benched him. I know Ricks is an NFL guy, but I mean, been playing for a while. Got got beat up pretty bad against Texas AM too, which is why I think Earl Little could be a guy that moves out of that star spot over to corner. And then you have a lot of guys that you feel comfortable with that can play star and safety still left on the back end. Yeah, I can dig. I can dig. I was just curious because uh, with a guy like Downs, he's just got to play. Um, well, he's it's just it's just gonna have to be trial by fire. But I do like that. You know, along with the guys that we have on the roster, the guys that Nick Saban brought in. You know, you're not coming to Alabama if you're a slouch by any means. So I do like that we have a lot of depth and a lot of options. Like if you're not playing well, somebody else surely will. So that's gonna be an added bonus for the secondary for this. J-Law, what do you think a guy like Trey Amos is brought in for? Because I think Jalen Key makes a lot of sense. I don't think the depth – I think I don't think Alabama has the depth at safety like they do at the corner slash star spot. So why do you think a guy like Trey Amos is brought in? Because like you said – you texted us earlier, Saban doesn't just go get transfers to go get them. They've got he, – he is relying on them to compete at, and, and make an impact. So what do you think what do you think the reasoning was for getting a guy like Trey Amos? Do you think that maybe he has that much potential that he can potentially start over Little and Arnold? Do you maybe they love Little at star and then he can push Arnold at the corner? What do you think the reasoning was for bringing in a guy like that from ULL? I mean, yeah, I just don't know like so many of these transfers. Um some of these guys may have an extra year left depending on COVID, but for me, Trey, to bring in Amos, like, I think he at least – I think he's got the length. Um, he's got some experience. They really liked him, but he's got to feel like he can play, right? I mean, at least there's a, a spot there, and if they really feel comfortable, like most comfortable with Earl Little at star, Malachi more on the back end than he's been in the past from, instead of coming in for Brian Branch when he would come in and out of games, you're kind of like, okay, well, we're going to need somebody else at corner. You're not going to play Hurley. You're not going to play – uh, Des Ricks, you know, most likely. So you wanted an experienced veteran guy, and quite. And Alabama hasn't really had their luck, right, with you know transfers or older guys coming in and playing. They've been burned a few times with older corners coming in, not able to uh, come in and play that spot. So, but I think they think this guy can play, and if Terry on Arnold can't get it done. You hope that you can shift your defense around to protect Arnold or Amos if they're over there on the other side of Kool Aid. That's good stuff right there. Moving on to the the defensive line, and not just defensive line. I want to hone in on the interior defensive line. Most of the time, as everybody has seen, Alabama goes with a 4-2-5 nickel defense. Basically, it's what everybody does. 
uh, when you're when you're facing a spread team, uh, it's not it's not as much of the traditional three four um, that everybody has seen. It's most of the time you've got two outside backers that kind of turn into defensive ends uh, with their hand in the dirt. You know, last year Dallas Turner will, or last couple of years Dallas Turner and Will Anderson. You know, this year you're going to have Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner manning those outside linebackers slash defensive end spots. But in the four two five, the two on the interior. That's what I want to ask you guys about. J-Law or Lester, we'll go back to you. Who who do you see starting and then who do you see rotating in? Usually Saban would love to rotate six guys there. I mean, you keep everybody fresh. If you've got six guys that are capable of playing there, I think Alabama does. But Lester, who do you think starts off the season at those two interior defensive line spots? Um, I don't. I can't think of any older guys, so I'm going to think of Otis and Damon Payne. I mean, that's got to be a start from somewhere. I mean, we know that D-line recruitment has lacked and has left a lot to be desired over the past couple of years, um, which could, you know, could lead to, you know, one or two problems that the defense have had. So I'm going to go with those two guys uh, for right now. I'm going to roll. You've, you've got two seniors. you got Justin Boygby and Tim Smith. Uh, Justin Boyd be playing really well last year before he went down, before he couldn't play anymore. Jaheim Otis really made a big impact as a true freshman, maybe still a, a guy that can only play maybe half the game just because of his size and his uh his conditioning. Uh, maybe a Jordan Davis type dude. But I think Otis has to start. I'm gonna go Tim Smith that starts. I don't know if they're gonna throw a boy back into the fire right away I look for him to definitely be in the rotation but I mean guys you've got you've got Damon Payne like Lester said um Jai Marie Latham has played in pass rushing situations from the interior done a pretty good job of the the middle pass rush the interior pass rush James Smith the true freshman from Carver who was a five-star Tim Keenan who I think had a really good spring even though he was only a three-star Defensive lineman coming out of high school, I think he's developing pretty well. He's a redshirt sophomore, so he's a third-year guy this year. And then you got a guy like Monkel Goodwine, who's a redshirt sophomore. He's a third-year guy. So you've got, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six. You've got six guys that are in their third year or more that can be in this defensive line rotation. So you might not have a lot of experience, except for with a couple of guys, Eboy B. Smith, Otis, and Payne. But you've got a ton of bodies, and somebody's got to take the bull by the horns, or multiple guys have to take the bull by the horns. But I'm going to go Otis and Tim Smith starting um, week one against Middle Tennessee State. And I'm going to say Eboigby and Payne are my next two up. And then maybe pass rush situations, you throw a Jai Marie Latham in there. I think those are my five that I'm going to focus in on to start the season. Jello, do you have anything other than that? Yeah, I just really like Otis in the middle. Um, what he was able to do last year, getting his body right. And you know he's going to be much stronger this year. Maybe he didn't drop any more weight, but he's going to be able to figure some things out. A lot of people don't realize how much of an impact Boygby had until he was gone. And he started to realize that, especially when Tennessee is able to put 150 rushing yards on you in a game where he just didn't – not only does he bring you, you know, the interior presence, but, man, he can, re- he can get after the quarterback a little bit too, win one-on-ones. I'm excited about the defensive line rotation. There's still some really good names on there, but are we going to develop these guys? DeMond Payne, five-star. Monkel Goodwine supposed to be a stud. Tim Smith, 
There's a lot of five-star freshman defensive linemen that come in and play at big-time SEC schools, not Vanderbilt, at Alabama, Auburn, et cetera. If you're good enough on the D-line, we've seen it, John Allen, Deron Payne, whether it's defensive end in our system or, you know, kind of the nose that we play, those guys are going to come in and play if you can get them right off the get-go. So I expect, a you know, a revolving door there. It never hurts to have seven guys you feel comfortable with either to play on the D-line, especially with the way that you're facing some of these offenses. I guess since we're at it, lesser linebacker thoughts. You've got Deontay Lawson, Tresman Marshall, who's a transfer from Georgia. He's had a knee injury. Um, couldn't really stay healthy over there. But, you know, Georgia's just about like Alabama now. I mean, they are uh, you know, they're they're gonna preach toughness, they're gonna run a similar defensive scheme, so he shouldn't miss a beat. A lot of people are projecting him to start alongside Deontay Lawson, which you know, I, I'm one of those guys. Um, but you got Justin Jefferson, who's a JUCO guy. You got Jihad Campbell, who's a second-year player, and Sean Murphy, who's a five-star second-year player. Do you see maybe one of those three outside of Marshall and uh, Deontay Lawson maybe trying to push for a starting job? Absolutely. I mean, hopefully all three push for a starting job. I mean, that's where this is where development comes in the key, right? Um you can't really afford to like just continuously miss on so many guys. Hopefully all three of those guys are pushing for a job and hopefully all three are good enough to play. If not, at least one or two of those guys will be a contributor on this defense. They have to be, there's no other choice. No other choice. Jay law, same question. You got anything linebacker spot? I guess we'll just go ahead and cover it and then defense will be done. Um, Outside of Marshall and Lawson, do you see anybody else trying to make a push? I mean, just like defensive line and DB, there, there's talent, dude. I mean, Jihad was a five-star on some sites, and uh, Murphy was was as well. So, plenty of talent, plenty of bodies, plenty of depth, even though there's been a lot of transfers, you know, out of there. Demui Kennedy left, went to Colorado, I believe. So, that hurt. We kind of projected him to step in alongside Deontay Lawson this year. But now that he's gone, do you see any of these other guys maybe pushing for a starting spot? Uh, you know, I obviously Marshall's coming in from Georgia, played hurt there a lot. It's tough for him to get in that depth chart. Um, and sadly, Alabama's linebacker depth is a little less quality than what Georgia's put on the field over the last four, three or four years. But I would not be surprised if you saw Campbell. I think Saban likes him a lot. Um, if he can put himself in the right spots at the right time, there's a few other guys too. But to me, I mean, I think Murphy was the what the but whatever the highest rated linebacker high school award when he was there can't even remember the name of that award but um you got some high profile names there five stars you know I would say top 40 overall recruits that should be kind of vying for those spots so I wouldn't be surprised man I love the athleticism of Jahad Campbell a marshal he's just going to come down and lay the wood don't know about his side to side yet when it comes to you know um, tracking down some runs on the perimeter. But I'm excited about that. They're going to play with that Kevin Steele mentality. They're not going to have a choice but to come downhill and play. Um, they're not going to play passive anymore, which is um, something I think Alabama fans are going to be excited about when they watch the linebackers. But probably a complete 180 from what we've seen since 2019-2020. All right. Uh, predicting the SEC West, um, seven teams – our list should be similar, especially up top. A lot of media are picking LSU to win the West this year. 
Lester, who do you have? Give me one through seven on how you see the SEC West turning out this year. Let's see here. Um, all right, we're going to start from well, the bottom. So, if you want to, yeah, you can start with one, or you can start with seven. Yeah, I'm going to start. With, I'm going to start with seven. I I believe, you know, Miss State with all the stuff going on with Mike Leach him passing away. You know, you got a new um, head coach coming in for the first time. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't see them being that great. So I got Ole Miss. At, I mean, Miss State at seven. Um, Auburn at six, because I just think that they're, you know, whatever. Not much to talk about there. Um, Ole Miss at five. Texas A&M at four. Then we got, no. No, Arkansas, then Texas A&M, LSU, then Bama. the difference between Bama and LSU. Tell me what you're seeing there because that's kind of how I've, I've got Bama at winning the West also, and that's not coming from a homer standpoint. It's just of what I see and how I feel about it. Um, do you think that maybe LSU took some people – because this is the way I look at it. Do you think LSU took some people by surprise last year? You know, Brian Kelly coming in, couldn't get it done at Notre Dame. Nobody really knew how he was going to adjust to the SEC West. Um you know, they had a bunch of guys transfer out. He did a, tre- a tremendous coaching job getting that team to – or getting that team ready week in and week out. And, of course, had the huge win um, on the two-point conversion uh, against Alabama at home. Um, how, what What's the difference between Bama and LSU this year? Yeah, I just think that nobody's going to sneak up on – you know, LSU's not going to sneak up on anybody last year. You know, Brian Kelly coming to the conference and kind of seen as the goofball – the cringy recruiting video, him trying to fake a southern accent, you know, all the turmoil going down at LSU at the time, just kind of, eh, you know, whatever, you know, LSU, but I guess beating Bama put them on the map more. But now, you know, it's not fun and games anymore. I mean, those people, are they're expecting real results for sure. So, you know, I think there's going to be more pressure on them this year. I think there's going to be more eyes on them. So with that said, they may slip up here and there against somebody who they shouldn't. So um, you can always count on that to happen, and I just don't believe that Bama's going to have one of those games. So you can always just count on LSU to slip up in a place where they shouldn't. And yeah, you know they've got the probably the biggest game in the SEC week one. They got they got to play Florida State in, at a neutral site, and um, yeah, uh, wasn't it last year? Lester, did they? We were watching that game at the late. Didn't LSU miss like two extra points or something, and then lost like 24-23 or something like that? It was some weird fluky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they kept missing extra points, but uh, yeah, that's a game right off the bat that can swing your season. I mean, everybody remembers what Alabama did to, to Florida State in twenty seventeen. Um, gosh, I can't remember the quarterback's name that tore his tore his quad in the fourth uh, quarter. Yeah, DeAndre Francois, DeAndre something like Francois. that. What happened yeah, to that guy? What in the Nothing. hell happened to that guy? But uh, and it Broke. just derailed not not only that season, but Jimbo's entire career at Florida State after that game, it just yep. absolutely killed him. And uh, so those week one games are huge for the mentality of your program. I mean, everybody's, you know, looking forward to it in the off season. And then you either have a letdown or you play really good. That can add more pressure. So, yeah, you make some really good points there. And that's kind of how I see it too. Alabama just – I mean, I understand 
Nick Saban, I don't really put a lot of stock in him saying this team has the edge that we need. Like you said that for two years. And so I'm not really believing that, but I just, I have faith in a defensive coordinator for the first time in a long time. I tried to give Golding the benefit of the doubt week in and week out for years. J-Law told me not to. I did it anyway. He was, he hit the nail on the head and with that situation. And with Kevin Steele coming in, he's just a hard nose, get after your, get after your ass kind of guy. And I just think that's going to translate. Like you got to play aggressive. You've got to use the athletes that you have and trust them to make plays, put pressure on a quarterback and trust him to make, or make, make the quarterback make bad decisions and trust your playmakers to go get the football and to take the football away, which is something Alabama hadn't done very well in the last two years. And uh, so also I think Alabama playing LSU and Tennessee, both at home this year. I think that's huge. You've got the road game against A&M in conference. That's by far their toughest test. But once again, I trust that Steele will have better game plans on the road than we've seen, than what we've seen from Pete Golding the last four years. So I just, I just have a lot of confidence in the defensive side of the ball for Alabama offense. We'll have to wait and see, but I think the defense is really going to help the offense out. That's why I have Bama winning the West. Got LSU too. I put A&M three. A&M's got a really good team. They're still going to be young. But don't forget about the, the what, nine, ten, five stars they signed just two years ago who are now upcoming sophomores. Now, I know a lot of those guys have hit the portal, but they still got a lot of talent on that roster. And uh, so I look for A&M to finish eight and four at worst, probably nine and three at best, um, and finish third in the third in the West. Um I'm going to trust uh, Lane Kiffin to figure his quarterback out. You know, he's got two or three quarterbacks he can he can roll with. Got Spencer Sanders, transfer from Oklahoma State. Got the guy that reclassified. There's a lot of competition there. I I, I trust Kiffin to, to get that situation right. That's what he does. Um, so even though Ole Miss, SEC West is loaded because even Mississippi State, I had them finishing seventh. They still got Will Rogers, who might be the best damn quarterback in the SEC. Um uh, yeah, like Lester said, though, just new coach, new system. Going to be tough. There's a lot of emotions. Going to be an, an emotional season for Miss State, so I had them last. Um, fifth is going to be Auburn. I think they're going to be better than the people think. I still think they're 7-5, and 8-4, and four, very max. But with Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne, really what can you do unless he freezes a miracle worker? Mir- miracle worker, and I don't think he is. Now I've got Arkansas finishing six, so – that's my list: Bama, LSU, A and M, Ole Miss, Arkansas, or Auburn, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. Jay Law, what you got? Yeah, I'm gonna go state last, and then I'll let you just group Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss in any way, shape, form, or fashion, kind of like it's been for the last seven years. Auburn, Arkansas, Ole Miss fighting for that four through six spot. I mean, kind of just here it's up for grabs for one of y'all to be the fourth best team in your division in a conference of 14. Congratulations. Um, so I mean, but yeah, I think Hugh Freeze might be able to pull some things off. Haven't looked at their schedule, don't know who they have at home, um, versus on the road. I know so Auburn has some years where everybody comes to them. Um, but I'll say this. A&M beat LSU last year when LSU had all the momentum, had a, still a chance since they just beat Alabama to get the playoff, get in the playoff. Yeah. And they go lay an egg at Caulfield, which at night, one of the toughest places to play in America. We'd all agree. Bama just dropped a game to an unranked team for the first time since 07 there. 
uh, two years ago. But, man, they had a chance to get in the playoff, lose that game. LSU also gave up. This is listen. That was that was a good team. I know they fired their coach Brian Kelly's first year, but they had a lot of talent. They gave up thirty, I think, five times last year. Um, so you know it wasn't always rainbows and butterflies for that team. Lost four games. I'm going to say LSU comes in third. A and M with the amount of talent they've had, they they have recruited very well. I didn't like that they signed the number one class and they haven't been in the top 15 since. They've been consistently top 10, top eight, even since the Kevin Sumlin days, since they got into the league. Yeah, and really, you know, with A&M, it's, are you a believer in Jimbo handing the reins over to Bobby Petrino or not? If you think they're going to get into it and there's going to be some conflict there with the offensive play calling, then I could see them far as fifth or sixth. But just like mm-hmm. you're saying, if you've – you know, the talent is there on the roster. And if Petrino, if they click, if him and Jimbo click, this could easily be a team competing for the top spot in the West. Well, just think about these guys, too. I mean, I know they were freshmen, but, dude, they they landed like nine of the top 30 dudes and six of them started from Nolan Smith to – or whatever his name was all the way – Walter Nolan, excuse me, all the way to Evan Stewart started 12, 13 games last year. Connor Wangman comes in and kind of – really change his course of that season. The guy's a stud. He's a five-star quarterback stud. Um, if you could re-rank him um, from a couple of years ago, you'd probably put Weigman and Klubbick right there at one and two. I know some of the rankings already had him there, but they were really that good last year as freshmen um, with uh, Klubnik over at Clemson. But I still like Alabama one. The tough test for Bama is obviously you still got to play Tennessee cross division, and what Heupel's done there is pretty impressive. And you're probably going to have to go to A and M. Well, you have to go there, but you hope to God CBS throws you a freaking bone and lets it be a two thirty kick. Ole Miss is coming to you. Um, you travel to Miss State, but hey, you know that is what it is. Arkansas is coming to you too. Dangerous team with KJ Jefferson, but you like your odds there. Can you beat Tennessee at home and then find a way to either? If you lose to A and M, it's fine. I don't trust Jimbo to not have you know two conference losses, but you got to. You got to really be, you know, watching that schedule. If you drop one to Texas, you don't want to lose another one to anybody else. But if Alabama can reel off, I think uh, what we play eight conference games, seven and one in conference, maybe even with a Texas loss sitting there with a chance to go to Atlanta and win the league. Um, I like them in the playoffs. But if Alabama goes, you know, 12 and 0 regular season and even drops that one in the SEC title game, probably in the playoff anyway. So that's that's my SEC West. Texas A&M, I guess, kind of the only change for me. I like them to surprise a few people and really push for Atlanta this year. Is K.J. Jefferson back at Arkansas? Yeah, I think so, isn't he? Dude, if I'm, I'm pretty sure he's back. That might, that might yeah, I'm going to have to get them out of the cellar. Uh, I'm going to get have to get them out of the sixth spot. I thought it was Malik Hornsby. I could have sworn I could have sworn K.J. had one well, It seems one. like K.J.'s been there since, like, 2015. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, gosh, yeah. If that guy's bad, sheesh, man. I mean, I know. Yeah, he's he's a pretty big prospect. He hasn't really posed a lot of, you know, problems for Alabama, yeah, but just watching him is fun. Twenty twenty three preseason All First Team SEC. Yeah, red shirt senior. Yeah, <laughs> dude. This he's good. Pro- too. He probably got the COVID year too. This might be year six for him. He's a yeah, red he's shirt like 20, senior. He's like tw- he's the uh, Stetson Bennett. Holy crap, dude. Yeah, okay. He's dangerous. I'm, I'm, I mean, he's a good player. I'm going to put Arkansas fifth in and slide Auburn to sixth. Just because like J-Law said, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn. Just about Auburn travels year. to 
Arkansas this year too, I believe. Yeah, I don't think they can win that game. I don't think Auburn beats LSU. I don't think they beat Georgia or Bama. So that's four right out the gate. And then there's a couple of swing games for them. You know, teams like Ole Miss, uh, even Mississippi State, you just never know. Yeah. So, yeah, um, good predictions there. So, yeah, we got the defense covered. We'll we'll break down some offensive positions next week. We'll get into a game-by-game breakdown of the SEC plus Texas schedule for Alabama. And then um, before you know it, we'll we'll be on game week, and we'll we'll be covering or previewing some of the some of the uh, the upcoming games for for that Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. They're all weekend that weekend. But uh, yeah, um, appreciate you guys stopping in, listening to us. I know it was quick this week. But hey, we're in and out. Got y'all some good information for you to for you to take to the bank. But uh, till next week. This is episode 83 of the Gump Runners Podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. We're out of here.